Let us pray. Gracious God, who loves us more than we can ask for or imagine, send your Holy Spirit to dwell here with us, so that only your word may be spoken, and so that only your word may be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. For the past several weeks, we have been talking about the cross. Two weeks ago, we heard the story of Jesus saying that he was going to be killed, and Peter taking him aside and rebuking him for this teaching. Jesus then goes and publicly reproves Peter and tells him and everyone there that not only is he going to die on the cross, but they should all take up their crosses as well. Last week, although he did not explicitly mention the cross, we again heard Jesus talking about his death, and in our epistle we heard St. Paul talk about the cross as the foolish wisdom of God. Today, we again hear Jesus talk about the cross, though the reference may be a little bit opaque. Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This is a reference to the cross. The lifting up here is the referring to him being lifted up high on that cross so that all could see him and be saved. As we talked about a little last week, the cross was not just about the death of an individual, but it was a message to the wider community. And so crucifixion was done very publicly. And part of that was lifting you up rather high in order to make it easier for everyone to see you. They put you high up on that cross, but they also like to put that cross up in a high place. They put Jesus and the others crucified that day up on a little hill called Calvary right outside the city gates to make them very visible, to lift them up very high. In this description of his death that we hear today, Jesus is not only looking toward the future, toward um, that moment of him being lifted up high on the cross, but he's also looking back, looking towards the past one of the stories of his faith and the faith of the people listening there that day. He's looking back to the story that we heard in the first reading today from Numbers. It is a rather strange little story. I vividly remember the first time I heard this passage because it struck me as so odd. It takes place while the Israelites are in the wilderness. They seem to be traveling in circles, they're passing the Red Sea again, and they are quite frustrated. This is one of the so-called murmuring stories that takes place out there in the wilderness. We have no food, and the food we have we do not like. They lament. They long for the past, forgetting how awful the past really was. And then things get worse. Suddenly, there are all these poisonous snakes. And rather than just take the snakes away, God has the people build another snake and put it up on a pole. And if you are poisoned, you are to look upon this image of a snake up on a pole. And it functions almost like an anti-venom. Anti-venom is made from venom. In this case, you have to look upon a snake, look upon the very thing that is hurting you in order to heal you. And this sounds dangerously close to 
idolatry, and it does become idolatry for some of them. In the book of 2 Kings, we hear of people taking offerings to the snake on the pole. In the book of Wisdom, however, the author clarifies that it is not the snake that does the healing, but God. So the snake does not function like a magic talisman, but rather the snake is closer to something sacramental. It is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. The outward and visible sign of the snake up there on the pole is the inward and spiritual grace of God's healing power. Now, there's a lot to unpack in this story, and we cannot explore it all right now. So, I just want you to put aside all those other questions the story raises for you. We can talk about those another time if you would like to. I just want to look at this connection between the snake on the pole and the cross. How does this story help us understand the cross better, as Jesus suggests? There are two main questions that people tend to ask about the cross. How and why? How does it work and why does this matter? The serpent on the pole gives us an important insight into these questions. Now, it does not provide all the answers are the only answer. I do not think these questions have precise answers that can be resolved once and for all. Rather, we are utilizing metaphors to help us understand a little bit better something that's beyond understanding. In the cross, Jesus has to go into the very danger. He has to go into the horror of humanity to die as we die, but not only that, but to die in the worst possible way, a way that exposes the worst of humanity. And we look upon that horror, not in morbid fascination, but almost like an anti-venom. We look upon his death, Jesus on the cross, the snake up on that pole, and we find our life sacramentally discovering the grace of God in the cross. Come thou font of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace, the old hymn puts it. The cross is the font of our blessing, sitting up on the mount that we praise, that little hill Calvary upon which the cross sat. The precious blood flowing out from the cross is interspersed to rescue us from danger. The cross is a sign of God's grace. It is a sacrament of God's love. Just as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him, that whoever trusts in him, may have eternal life. For, pay attention to that word, for conjunctions matter, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him, everyone who trusts in him, may not perish, but may have everlasting life. Jesus will be lifted up on the cross out of love. Love for you, love for me, love for all of humanity and all of creation. Like that snake upon the pole, the cross is paradoxically a sign of the opposite of what it looks like. The dangerous snake mediates the healing. The horrifying cross mediates the love 
of God. It tells us that the crosses of this world do not get the final say. The powers and the principalities do not ultimately rule. Only one thing does in the end. God's love. Amen.